1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Millwall fan. They do need suppliers, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, I have posted they need tinned meat, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tinned fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter at Lions Food Hub. DM them. You can DM me at Ach and I will pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're
0: listening to Achdog broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no sounds.
2: hello dear listeners welcome to a special international interminable international weekend break edition joining me who else do you want on such a a show other than the man himself mr harry warren welcome to the show h
1: you're right nick thanks for having me
2: you've been out running mate how's your personal best time going Uh, i
1: just shaved three minutes off my 10k so I've, i've done my 10k and my 5k personal best in the last seven days so well um yeah i remember, I remember you
2: when name. your middle name was harry guinness warren mate and then, then you're into this um 5k personal best bit zone you know out with all the runners of uh of, of essex in the park it's
1: yeah i, um, I, I blame alex russell really that's <laughs> that's who i blame for these these things See, normally normally when alex mentioned something i'm very impressionable nick i don't know if you realised that uh, <laughs> But I thought, oh yeah, you should go running. Oh yeah, I'll get into it. Yeah, it's, it's it's all nothing. So um <laughs> So I decided we'll do that. But but we still we've moved on from Guinness. We we tend to because I've read somewhere that Uh, Sports scientists say that you can have a glass of red wine if you're a professional sportsman or something that I now decide I take the glass to mean that I can have a bottle in a glass and that that counts
2: One of those full bottle glasses. They're they're great Christmas presents for the the person in your life who likes to drink Um, so thank you for joining us, Harry. Um, I thought we'd just Dwell as it's international weekends. I thought we'd just dwell on a few um, international related matters, um, also including some of the best, in my opinion, the best Millwall um, player performances in an international shirt. That I've, I've picked out five fairly arbitrary choices, listeners. So do feel free to email me at your leisure and correct me and put me straight or whatever, um, whatever way you see the uh, the choices that I've made. Um, but I just want to start, Harry. This, we are in in um, an international break weekend, which is a fairly modern concept because it was always, you know, fixture clutter and blah 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 in the past. Now they have these breaks um, early season. There's one in the, normally September, October, I think, isn't there? and then now the the March break. How do you like these breaks? Do you like them? Do you enjoy the international football? Do you see it as a as a, as a crashing bore? How do you how do you find international break weekends, mate?
1: Um, I think realistically, like most people, I find them absolutely turgidly boring. Um yeah. the results are kind of you know, with the greatest respect to San Marino, um, the the results already telegraphed before England could pick twenty three strangers pretty much from most I mean probably from the championship league one, league two level, they could pick twenty three of the best from them and beat San Marino. Um that's not to knock them, um but the The way that the World Cups going that we're going to have forty eight teams and the Euros will eventually be made bigger or some. form, They want more international football, which is completely at odds with most football fans. Funny enough,
2: yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, I, I we we're just speaking off air, listeners. I was um, I caught a debate online with Barry Glendenning of the of the Guardian the other night. Here, I don't know if you saw it, but. He was, was having this debate and it kind of rested on the concept of there being small nations and big nations. In, in some ways, I think Barry was making a comparison with um, the idea of a, there being an, an elite. So you can, you know, if you took that in club football, you talk about the elite of European football, the Manchester City's, the Barcelona's, the, uh, the Bayern Munich's and, and so on and the others. Um, do they, uh, should they play lesser lights like, you know, should Manchester City play, I don't know, Rochdale in the League Cup? And, and this kind of idea. And I think he was trying to draw comparisons with San Marino as a good, a good example because obviously the England game in the week finished as a 5-0 win for, for England. Um, And the, the likelihood of San Marino or maybe um I saw Gibraltar playing yesterday against Montenegro. Monten- um, maybe the, the chances of them winning or doing anything are fairly remote. I mean... I go around in circles, Harry, if I'm going to be honest, because I can, I can get both sides of this argument. There's, there's no contest in um, a kind of a ritual execution of England playing San Marino. But then again, in football, there's always the FA Cup principle. There's always a, a, an outside shot, a giant killing, isn't there? I watched um, last night, I, I, I watched the Republic of Ireland, a poor How Republic of Ireland performance. <laughs> a poor s- you. Well, no, I stuck with it because what struck me, and just as we're doing this recording today, listeners, it struck me that Luxembourg, um, their opponents, who won the game one 0 in the end, weren't as bad as maybe the, the the blanket definition small nation. Do you know what I'm saying, Harry? They mm-hmm. they had a couple of moves, and I, I, I put the court started catching the game for about twenty minutes in, I think, and one of the early moves was a, a good move by Luxembourg, good break from defence, and they, they went close and they had chances now i i i'm not here to knock the republic of ireland squad i think they're in, in a, a transitional stage at the moment and they they they're finding it difficult but there's a nation that has played to a fairly high level the republic of ireland i'm talking about in the past they've achieved they've got into world cups under under jack Charlton, and at the moment they're struggling so you know, the, the the idea that Luxembourg shouldn't take the field against um, one of the bigger nations in in, in football terms in, in in Europe in Ireland strikes me as a bit um, what's the word? Um, they have every right to be on the same yes. pitch, in fact, they won the game. They proved their right last night. You know? Yeah,
1: I think I think i um, I mean, I'd say about the Republic of Ireland is they decided to get rid of Mick McCarthy, which is always the harbinger of doom for any <laughs> any professional football outfit. I mean, what well, you got a uh, Left Ipswich, they got relegated. Left Walls, they got relegated. Left yeah. the Republic of Ireland, they haven't won a game since he left. Um, and now it's doing really well at Cardiff. Um, but that's me aside. I think they the idea for me is that, you know, these elite nations, there's probably what, the top ten around the world. You know, arguably depending on squads, the FIFA rankings, whatever. But well, they would be they the rank.
2: World Cup winning nations of the past. Yeah.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Argentina, are, without Messi, are, are dog awful, I'll be totally honest. Um,
2: at the moment. I mean, at the moment,
1: which is the thing with international football is you are, the that's, the that's the lock-in there, in a nutshell, is that you are judged on the best players in your nation at one particular time. Now, I'd say within a four-year cycle, you probably have one or two changes normally on on a good cycle. On a bad cycle, you could have all the players come to the same age and have a completely new eleven. Yeah. But you, you know, looking at it sensibly, the last four of the World Cup from from uh, four years ago or three years ago. You know, do they need to really qualify? Do they need to qualify again? Should that Should that now? If we've got forty eight teams in there. Do England, France, Belgium, and Croatia need to qualify again? Should they be asked to qualify? Is there a reason for them to qualify? No, is it, should they be the globe trotting nations to give San Marino their run out against them in a non competitive friendly? So they still get the idea of playing England and France and Belgium yeah. and, and, and all these others. I think that's more the model that we'll end up going to because generally, I think you know you will earn more money out of england being free to play a friendly against brazil for instance than england playing a a competitive game against san marino i know which one i'd rather pay money to go and see at the ground and, and oh what absolutely these would think so yeah it absolutely. will follow the money nick so presumably i'll my my premonition will be correct
2: <laughs> we'll see i mean i think you're right um i mean the the fundamental point of any sport any any football being the major sport that we all follow, is that any match, any any point of of contest must be that, and there must be there must be something at stake for me, and there should be a a, a reasonable balance of a strength on both sides. You know, now obviously, you know, you can't always achieve that, and there is there is always a place for England to play San Marino, in my opinion, but it's probably just not as often as the the schedule seems to produce at the moment because it's all being pumped up. To this mega level where you've got to have massive contests and massive competitions and i'm not sure that we've gained much by by that um i am old enough harry to remember the 1970 world cup with just 16 teams in it four groups of four and that's still remembered as a classic and i think it was it's that concentration of talent that um goes missing a little bit when you have these, these widespread you know they talked about expanding the World Cup to 38 teams I think uh, in future competition it just it just creates loads of um loads of mediocrity at the early stages
1: I think. I'll put it I'll put it to people I mean I don't know how, I don't know how many people have sky sports that listen to this I, I'm lucky enough to have that um and you'll sit there on a Sunday so I get treated to the draw machines that are Millwall football Club on on a Saturday <laughs> And um, I I didn't really miss them yesterday. I'll be totally honest, but that's another thing. Um, But you'll sit there and I'll watch five games on Sunday, five games, you know, you'll sit there over a weekend. And by the fifth game, I can't remember necessarily what happened in the third game or the second game. You'll you'll remember what happened in the game that had the most drama or the incident or, or whatever at the weekend. But I don't think the kids watch football like that. You know, I I think people who work in football or whatever will watch every game and uh, so on and so forth for for a variety of reasons and football lovers of a certain vintage, um, which I'll put myself into. But the kids will watch Match of the Day and watch the highlights package. It will take them nine minutes to have five games of football condensed into nine minutes of action on YouTube or or a 60-minute Match of the Day 2 programme on a Sunday evening. Um, you know, but, but, but
2: social media world, Harry.
1: Yeah, but the games yeah. still happened. I, I don't understand. There's a there's a weird parallel where the kids, uh, you know, the, the the football authorities seem to want to pander to this this demand for games. In fact, really realizing there's not really a demand for games. There's just demand for for action to be cut down into into TikTok minutes. Yes, absolutely.
2: No, um, you're right. Um, i think it's the way of the world i mean we can we can rail against it um whether the fa are correct or the uefa and fifa they're all, they're all in this um cartel together and i use that <laughs> word quite uh quite deliberately um you know this this is the this is the way that the the, the world is going um for better or for Probably for 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 worse as I might say but then is this I come about to be
1: a... the FA bashing
2: section. <laughs> the era.
1: No, oh, well, we, not, not the bill, I mean, the, whoever runs non-league that's fine in Dulwich Hamlet for not fulfilling their games yeah. whilst the global pandemic is on, is a and well, the FA are the custodians of the game. In this well, they
2: find game. a load of. I mean, veered wildly off subject, but let's go with it. Um, the non this is the national league teams that were struggling to play or there was the the pandemic was striking they couldn't field teams or there was a there's also um no clear guidance from government about whether games could proceed or should proceed or not and then the national league slapped fines on clubs that decided to cancel just ahead of the um the government restrictions so that's what could for we call that
1: like a response for acting like a responsible employer or irresponsible retail outlet. to their staff, because players are staff, and their fans are their customers. As long as we don't like being called customers, but in that particular idea, they are their customers. Um, that's football management at the highest levels, Harry. Well, that's that's just yeah. it's just a nonsense, isn't it? I mean, I don't know legally. I mean, the, the problem is, is the FA are lawyered up to a level that you know a non league side could only dream of. But absolutely, it's it's completely outrageous. I mean, the 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 fact of the matter is, is that. You know, they talk about the success of non-league and I'm going to I'm gonna slag Salford City off here. I'm going for it. So we'll <laughs> take Salford City. So they're a successful non-league side by having basically Gary Neville who against Saki managers every yeah. every few months. They, how many managers have they had in the last it's year? Been, they've rattled through, I don't know how many. They've had them two guys that were on the BBC channel. Then they sold the rights to that programme, um, what was sort of Salford City season four-part drama on the BBC, sold that to... Sky Sports. That's what that's what the FA want. They want the resmaters without any of the problems that, that that creates. And football is in a state at the moment. It really, really is in a state. Oh, you know, the lower you go, the the the, the worse it is. And um, I don't okay. know. Do we need Wembley? That's a bigger question. Well,
2: that was that was going to be one of my talking points. Um, and it comes back to the small nations debate, if you want to call it that. And I don't quite like that term because. Um, You know, there's many, many um, small nations, so-called small populations that have achieved great things in football. But, um, you know, I I quite liked it when England went on the road and they would take the big games to um, Old Trafford or now maybe they use the Arsenal Emirates Stadium, Tottenham Stadium in London. Um, you know, you've, we're not short of top. Cancel
1: our stadium as well. They should probably use because we're still paying for it. <laughs> well, to
2: be fair, I mean, you know, if, if, excluding its its origins and all the rest of it. I mean, that's that's a in any other nation in the world, the the Olympic Stadium, London Stadium, whatever you want to call it, Council House Stadium um that would be the centerpiece of that country's sporting infrastructure we we're lucky in this country in london particularly that we've got stadiums we're dripping in them aren't we i mean yeah you've got arsenal you have got tottenham you've got the the Olympic Stadium. and then in the second rank if you want to call it that he's got chelsea you've got um you know you've got, you've got the den <laughs> not forget it's not a bad stadium um you've got you've got plenty of facilities in this city which is the dream of many a nation around the world, but I quite liked it. My point being that Wembley is is not necessary, in my opinion, in this day. There's nothing particularly special about it, other than it holds eighty thousand. But I mean, think it's, Arsenal hold sixty eight. You know,
1: I think it's one of the worst stadiums I've ever been to for atmosphere and practicality. It's it, it isn't. It's not the same as the old Wembley. Now, the old Wembley was no. You know, it had the at least it had. I don't know if we romanticised the fact that it, it had seen the 1966 World Cup final and, uh, and all that. It the, had, and it had it. history,
2: didn't it? it had and, the, the white horse yeah. on the pitch
1: and clearly the face off. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they took, I mean, this one is, it's new new history, the Steve Moran, Morrison version of history with Millwall, of course, have uh, you know, <laughs> have Millwall first. But the... the, the the fact of the matter is, is that that stadium was being offered to be bought before the pandemic. I remember, I, I can't remember if it was, up, you know, it was plus 100 million pounds and so on and so we're,
2: forth. Weren't Tottenham talking
1: about buying it? Rather I, than think, the, I think it was the, the mad bloke that owns Fulham fulham um, fulham yeah he, he a... also owns the jacksonville jaguar mm. nfl team and yeah um, i know the man you mean yeah yeah um, is it shake shake something uh khan
2: sure. i think his name is khan i think but i i'd have to check that number um oh, but i don't know, know who know you mean to. yeah yeah.
1: yeah. You know, everyone knows hopefully everyone knows what i mean but he he was talking about buying it because the, the idea of the nfl is to have a side in london because they yeah. are fed up of paying to come here i mean they've now today they've now four. In normal times, they would have four regular season games here, yeah. and two at uh, Tottenham Stadium and two at um, two at Wembley. Uh, I think their idea is to have a side here and and bring it on the road as a roadshow. Again, matching the parallels to to football in Europe and around the world now. So it's just it's just depressing. I mean, they would set it for probably up like two hundred billion. It would go in the back pocket of someone. It wouldn't get invested in grass. Well, it
2: wouldn't get invested, no. Um, I which, mean, is, which is a problem. But
1: I, I, I quite, I
2: quite liked England. You could play England versus San Marino at um, any of the, the Southampton. Absolutely. You could, you, you know, you could take it to to, to Newcastle. You could take it to um,
1: Birmingham. Any, you know, but there it, is nothing more important than getting kids in, in, excited about football. That is absolutely. the future of football is to be able to go and see. England, go and see Harry Kane, go and see Harry Maguire, like you can go and the the, the fact is, the matter is you know, the tickets the tickets should be cheap to watch the international side, you can't do nothing the FA can't do anything really because of a capitalist society to regulate the price of tickets however it can lead by example, the price of tickets should be cheap for kids to go and watch and their families to go and watch England when they do go on this road, it's just it always comes so, back to the management
2: of the game at the, at the highest levels, which is historically built around the concept of just making as much money as possible. You, that seems to be as far as it goes, Harry. We,
1: you, know. you know, we're in April. You'd think that football pitches would be pristine because they've had no one playing on them for four months. Yeah, no Come one on maintaining them either. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. But you've got these councils that pay, you know, you pay your council tax and, and so oh, on no. and so forth. And Don't you know, start
2: me on Newham and potholes in road. Let's get another podcast mate
1: I think we veered wildly off subject didn't veering,
2: I'm going to take a little bit of a break there Harry because we veered wildly off subject we can come back after the break with our thoughts on Millwall's glittering international uh, array of talent over time
1: you're listening to After Millwall
2: Welcome back to the show, dear listeners. I talked to Harry about um, an international break. We've read off the the subject there a little bit, but I wanted to mention before we start, Harry, um, the legend that is Najim Abdu, Jimmy Abdu, um, who earlier this week led, still playing at the age of 36, he plays in France and Martigues on the southern French side, and he's led the Comoros Islands to their first ever uh, African Cup of Nations finals uh, next year. Um, Massive achievement for that nation. One of the small nations, I suppose you'd call them I don't know how yeah. they're going do they're going to get on um they'd be up against some very big players in in that finals tournament, but what an achievement for that side and for Jimmy at the age of thirty six to get to you know to uh, say historic he says here on on this on this quote I've picked up here it's historic, and so it is for him. I think it's wonderful,
1: yeah, I think it's brilliant for Jimmy It'd be nice if we offered the jimmy the uh, the Tim kale contract. I, I'd very much like that. We can get. have got
2: more out of him than we got yeah, we've got, got one elbow on a chin from on player. And, yeah, and we can. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. We can have. We can give uh, Max McClellan and the media team some some work to do, couldn't we? you yeah, can shoot another <laughs> return video. Just Jimmy, Dy- just playing the the uh, the goal at Leeds on the loop.
2: Anyway, um, well done, Jimmy abdo Well done, the Comorosians, if that's the the correct term. Um, and I think we'll all be. Following. I think they're a
1: poor. I think they're a poorer nation as well. So if you are into buying football shirts if you can get your hand on them i think they'd be very very um, grateful for that yeah
2: it'd be wonderful to see them do well and um you know let's, let's fingers crossed for for uh, jimmy um in those finals um so i wanted to dwell if we may harry on mills internationals over the years um we do have quite a large number of internationals? Actually, it's quite strange. I've just sent a link to the wonderful Mill History website, listeners. If you go on that website, millhistory.org.uk, it's a wonderful repository of knowledge. There's a great section on Mill's um, international players capped whilst wearing the shirt of Millwall. So that's the only kind of rule I've stuck into this particular show that we're only really considering these players. Um, you know whilst they're middle players but we we, we may break that rule because that's the kind of rock and roll show that we are um so anyway 121 internationals Harry Warren for the Republic of Ireland that's our biggest single contribution to another country's um you know um playing staff that's quite a number some big names in that in yeah, that list are. as well when you look through um and I'm thinking, of Eamon Dunphy, one of the big names in the. it was for many, many years, he was our regular international when I first started going in the 70s. A, a very silky, very, um, a, a very skillful midfield player and these days a very opinionated man on Irish um, radio and television. He, he puts out a very, very good podcast in actual fact, I, I, it will challenge you if you listen to it listeners, don't go under expecting to be um, cuddled. But he's it's, 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 it's an interesting guy, Mandunti. In, but there's a, quite a few names in that list. I'm just looking now, Harry. Tony Cascarino, Aiden O'Brien. AOB, okay, yeah. <laughs> Mick McCarthy is in there, Gary Waddock, Dave Savage, and Richard Sadlier just won one um, cap for the Republic while in 2002. But that's 121 caps for the Republic over time, um, followed closely by Northern Ireland. There's nearly 200 Irish caps if you include the Republic. And, Probably I mean, controversially. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. controversially including Northern Ireland in that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. don't at me. Don't email me listeners.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't that 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 was a own goal of uh, of uh systematic proportions. Of, of Jordan
2: Archer proportions. We will come back to Jordan Archer later on in this in this conversation. Um one thing I found fascinating, I mean 121 Republic of ireland 61 northern ireland 38 welsh caps how many scottish caps would you say dear listen how many would you say without looking Harry?
1: uh i've already looked so i can't i can't answer
2: <laughs> it's just one that's strange isn't it when you think there's what nearly included two islands as as one and, the, and nearly 200 um welsh 38 caps um, and then you know we, we've got we've had more Icelandic caps than we have Scots. Um,
1: yeah.
2: More for St Kitts, two for St Kitts, one for Scotland. That was Jordan Archer.
1: Yeah, he didn't exactly impress on his uh, he on his one cap, did he?
2: A uh, Peru uh, friendly in Lima for uh, Peru to Scotland nil. Um, goalkeeper Jordan Archer endured a difficult debut. It says on the BBC website. Difficult, yeah. Conceded a goal either side of half-time. This may for be familiar for you, Harry. The Mill goalkeeper rushed from his line and left his goal exposed, leading wow. to Scott McKenna blocking the resulting shot with his hand. So he's, he's come out and Scott McKenna's had to block a shot for a penalty. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Jefferson Fafan added the second after the interval. This will be familiar for you, H. Uh, his shot slipping beneath Archer's hand for 2-0 and game over for the for the Scots in Lean. In that was in... 2018 um 16 Comoros ross Island, 16 there's jimmy abdu obviously 16 caps for the Comoros islands and just one for scotland it's a very strange given how long the clubs existed
1: and it was Why, found,
2: founded by scotsmen and yet we've only ever won scots cap
1: yeah that's that's i mean to compare that as well we've had 23 caps for australia yeah and 34 for canada yeah yeah, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, well, I only thought two like two Canadians had ever played football for Millwall. I forgot Mark was, Birch. You was
2: know. qualified. Uh yeah. I th- family. I, I, I mean, he was from Shepherd's Bush, wasn't he? I mean, I, don't know. Yeah. I suppose they've gone back into the uh, the grandparent rule there to, to find that. But even if you look at the US USA eighteen caps for the USA, um, it's quite a lot. Of, I mean, John Kerr and Casey Keller these are, as Millwall players. I, I keep stressing um but you're also forgetting the great contribution of adrian seriou for canada as well there Harry. absolutely 2004
1: 2005 and his long throw and i mean to be honest if you are going to use a long throw for anything adrian seriou is your man isn't he <laughs> I, I
2: i i i always wanted him to do well because i wanted that long throw to become part of our game we've never really had a long throw merchant really i mean conor McLaughlin, i think had a reasonable throw on him but um, we'd never really had a long throw man like other clubs seemed to. And I always I, I wanted Adrian Serio to be a better player. It just wasn't good there enough. There was that
1: one day, wasn't it? It was one glittering day. I think it debut. was the debut yeah. where he played like Edgar Davids. And it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. You just sat there and went, oh, where have we found this guy from? Why has no one scouted him? And it became very quickly afterwards. Of Why? The <laughs> <head>. <laughs> well, he
2: threw it from, I think it was inside the middle half, and he threw it in, was it Leicester? I threw it into the lesser penalty area and caused mayhem for a moment. I mean, there wasn't yeah. much mayhem once they cottoned on to what he could do, but that was that was that was that. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten Simeon Jackson played for Canada. Um,
1: I'd forgotten Simeon Jackson even existed, let alone played for Canada.
2: And Chris Twardek who's a name as well. Yeah, like two caps for Canada, but it's interesting. I mean, you know, just the the um, the contrast. 10 England caps, Harry, and that's one of them's going to be the subject of my first greatest ever Millwall performance, if if you
1: will. Is, is the greatest England performance there, the fact that you've actually been able to play for Millwall and be called up for England at the same time.
2: Well, in the in the early days, these are all pre-war, obviously. Oh, right, okay. Um we haven't had a an England cap since J.R. Smith, Reg Smith, and the performance I've picked out for Reg Smith. He played twice for England in 1938 um was a 4-0 win over Norway for England. I will stick his um his photo online scored twice in a 4-0 win for the three lines over Norway. The the Times newspaper described it as a very polite affair. Apparently Norwegians were just um just it happy they, to be there. They were happy to be there and they they, they made a beeline for um, the, the great names of, of England afterwards. So uh, the great names, so you've got Tommy Lawton playing at number nine. Smith was um, scored twice. Stanley Matthews was there. So these were, these were Stan Cullis. So these were major, major names of world football at the time. And the Norwegians were um, made a beeline to shake their hands and just be photographed in the company of them. So I think they, the Times described it as a very pleasant Wednesday afternoon as it was played, um, with very little to, to trouble the the football reporters of the day. But it was a 4-0 win for or England played at at, at Newcastle, St. James's Park, in front of 39,000. The receipts, because I know you're interested, Harry, were 2,416 pounds, 19 shillings exactly. No sixpence. No sixpence, (laughs) and the second half was broadcast live on the radio um, from 3.15 to 4.15. This is different times. Um, the England goals: Reg Smith headed in a Matthews, Stanley Matthews cross on 18 minutes and turned in the rebound for uh, Tommy Lawton shot, which hit the crossbar on 40. Uh, those were the two goals for Newell's. Reg Smith. He got two caps for England and then um, the Second World War um, rather intervened in matters generally, um, as with so many others, and um, that was that was the, the club never recovered. <laughs> Well, the club never recovered. Um, I do have a, actually, I have a Daily Herald report. This is dated the 10th of November, 1938. So I'm just going to read two paragraphs for you, Harry. The interesting English debutant was Mills Smith, whose live-wire tactics in the first half opened many avenues to goal and marked him down as a player to receive very serious consideration in future internationals. Then the report continues. Um, the, report, the reporter says, I would give uh, Smith his big international break going forwards. More than that, I'm inclined to have the view that the Mill man could have been included in the England side earlier this season, much to England's advantage. So a real prospect, Reg Smith, J.R. Smith. Um, when I stick the photograph online, listeners will probably recognise him. He's been on a few kind of um, covers of Mill textbooks and things over, over the years. But there we are, the, the war, um, rather intervened in Reg Smith's uh, career, as as with so much, as, as you say yourself there, Harry, with the club. Den was bombed, there was a fire, the main stand burned down. And what was interesting was that Reg Smith was part of a championship winning team, third division south, and the Irons won 1937-38, 38-39. They were getting themselves settled for a promotion push to the um to the top flight. And then the little man in Berlin decided that it was time for a bit of a disruption in Europe and the rest of it is, is history. So we never really recovered. We overdid it didn't to this he? day. He, Did he
1: overdid it. He overdid, overdid it.
2: it on his French holiday. He, he went too far. He went too far. Um, but there we are. Reg Smith, um, 10 England caps for overall for the club, and
0: Reg played twice for in an England shirt. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: By. I've picked out a second, my second greatest mill performance internationally. I've picked out Tony Cascarino, who played in a one-all draw for the Republic of Ireland versus the USSR in a group match at the Euro 1988 finals. Ireland would actually exit the, the group one place above England, who famously went home without winning a game. I think mean, we got beaten
1: all three games <sighs> in 1988. That's what happens if you play Colton Palmer.
2: <laughs> there we are. Um this was this was um under Bobby Robson at the time. Cascarino was playing for the Republic of Ireland and I thought he'd scored, but it was actually Ronnie Whelan who'd scored. He's wrongly listed on the Millwall history website as scoring, but it was actually wow. Whelan. It's described here in the um this is the Irish Irish Independent, I think. The Irish sorry, the Irish Evening Herald described this game as Irish soccer's finest hour. Um a magnificent performance against the russian side um, that would go on i think to be beaten in the famous 1988 final against holland and that was played in munich and that was where uh was it van Basten scored that famous yeah. volley, volley goal um uh-huh. goal for the ages but the irish held their own against the the finalists there um until mills tony Cascarino still at this time playing at cold blow lane was part of that Irish Irish side. Mick McCarthy mentioned him earlier on, Harry. Yep. He's my third choice. He's my third choice. I've tried to pick games and situations that, that have a mill player um featured at the highest level possible. So hence Reg Smith playing for England and scoring. Um obviously in those days England didn't take uh-huh. World Cups. But um I've picked Mick McCarthy, who played in the World Cup quarter final. For the Republic against Italy in nineteen Italia ninety, Italian uh, ninety, a classic, classic World Cup. Do you remember Italian ninety? Is that before your time, Harry?
1: I I was not quite born yet. I think you I were not quite
2: born, born, then you won't remember yeah. it, mate. But no. it, it's famous for having the Pavarotti theme. You know, it's become kind of iconic for World Cups. Um, Gascoigne crying because we, um, you know, was uh, was. Booked again. It's up to your
1: second booking yeah. in a weird rule that you had been. Yeah.
2: Probably as close as England ever come to since 66 to um World Cup final, possibly winning it. I think we may have won it if we'd got into the final, but it was not to be. Um, but Republic of Ireland were also um very good side. This would be the side that featured the, the likes of Whelan, Ray Houghton, I think, um John Aldrich. John Aldrich, Kevin Moran. I'm um, just looking at this um, Daily Mirror report here bitter bitter irish go down fighting jack's big jack charlton fury over a ref who he felt was um an italian bi- biased referee a portuguese uh referee who favored the italians at their I, own world cup at their own world cup played in rome in their home stadium
1: yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine why he thought they might have favored their own side no
2: jack charlton Scarcely conceal his anger, and eventually took it out on an Italian cameraman. So you don't want to be taking pictures of Big Jack when his his team are getting um, cheated, as he would see it, of, of of a place in in a World Cup semi final. I mean, so this was a decent, it's just interesting contrast with the um, the poor showing last night from the Republic side. But this was a great Republic of Ireland side managed brilliantly by by Jack Charlton. But that featured Mick McCarthy, who had not long come to Cold Blow Lane and would eventually. Topple Bruce Rioch as player manager and then manager, and the rest of his management career is is, is history. Um, interesting character, Mick McCarthy, Harry. I've always found him managerially speaking, um, he's okay, but he's not he's brilliant, a ham is he? Sandwich. He's he's never gonna. You wouldn't cross the road to watch a Mick McCarthy side. You equally, you wouldn't get. I mean, Ipswich. You mentioned them earlier on. You you won't get relegated with Rick McCarthy in your team, or managing your team, but you probably won't win much either. You
1: know, yeah. I, I think you won't be excited, will you? Well, I mean, when he wins promotion later on, we're all going to have to chat later on this season. The shameless. Yeah, yeah I've to, to edit to, it. Won't I? Who? Um, what was it? Some I can't I can't remember who said it, but one uh, somebody picked him as the worst Millwall manager of all time, didn't they recently?
2: Yeah. um <sighs> it's It's a strange period, because he when he first came to us, which was in the immediate aftermath of Bruce Rioch, who was a a fantastic spotter of talent and a, a fantastic um, tactician an awful manager of men you know he was <laughs> he was um he was like
1: I mean, your one- not to lead basically
2: modern teaching listeners uh, obviously um some of my relations and teachers and, and kids now go to school it's a very different environment but we we came from an era where teachers were kind of um people to be feared for their irrational kind of punishments they meted out for not having your tie done up correctly and or not having Boy, your foot, shirt, shirt undone all this kind of thing and Bruce Riott fell into that kind of um, militaristic... Sergeant zone. Major. But a great spotter of talent, Harry. So Mick McCarthy, when he took over in 1992, I believe, was playing some really good football <laughs> with some really talented players that had had a burden lifted by the removal of Bruce Riott, the man that brought them all together. <laughs> so McCarthy, actually, in his early days, played, in my opinion, some of the best football that I've ever seen. Um, so basically you're saying you all. took
1: over from someone that was like Germans with cooking. <laughs> That's like they have all the ingredients, but somehow managed <laughs> to make sour crap.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you can look on YouTube. I've, I'm sure there's a famous 6-1 victory over Brentford that was played in front of the big match cameras. He um, had this uh, midfield diamond, which was quite revolutionary at the, at, the, at the style at the time. Hadn't been
1: seen before. The ball was played to feet. And moved around. That's even more revolutionary. That ball always played to feet at Millwall.
2: Genuinely, I'd never seen football played as as beautifully as as the kind of uh, the last gasp of Rioc and early period of of Mick McCarthy. The players had almost had this um, weight lifted from their shoulders, and it was it was wonderful to watch. I think as Mick McCarthy went along, um, it became more your 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 kind of um, stolid uh mccarthy that people would know now as a manager you know that's kind of um average mr, mr. average if, if you like but there's, that's not not knocking him i think you know there's there's a place for that in football but certainly towards the late period he was treading water a little bit and mm-hmm. he never reproduced that early style of football but in all honesty 1992 1993 wonderful wonderful football you'd have been you'd have been oozing over it harry if you'd been around at the time mate the
1: I, I was around i just obviously was uh, we well, are too young to appreciate it yeah it's a, absolutely i i mean i the first bill will measure i can remember believe it or not i actually can't remember anyone before mcgee that's terrible is it
2: well not if you're not if you're, you know, not if you're young you're not going to pay much
1: attention to like this uh, I mean, I, I, you know you start turning <laughs> up and. You know, it was it was it's a very weird time that you you ended up that my first Millwall managers were like McGee. This this idea that we won Division Two is the first year I can remember me going. I was, was it, going before that, that's kind of my first memories of it. Remember success? Yes. Yeah, so a Millwall thing of a team that was twenty what twenty years ago now. Yeah, it's keep- the
2: twentieth anniversary. I was. I, I might i'm going to give away ideas we're an ideas factory for other shows listeners i might i might do a 20th anniversary show about the uh the two, 2000 2001 season because it's it's one that lives um uh, large in in a lot it's of the people. only time
1: i've been on the pitch nick i'll be have uh, uh, before oh, did you go on the pitch did you i was i was i was one of the children after after the um after the presentation after yeah. the players had been run off the pitch by most of the EBL. <laughs> I, I sort of went on the pitch as a child to just basically say that I'd been on the pitch after the corner flags, the the holdings, the advertising holdings, and stuff that could be
2: retrieved. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, they they were they were nice days. Yeah, I think I think Mick McCarthy gets a bit of a rum, a uh, bit of a bad deal. Rum deal. Yeah, I think I think so. I think he's a decent football manager. Not blessed with success, but you can only have one champ. You can only have one champion a year, can't you? I think. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Number four, I'm going to go
2: for another
1: player of that of that era. In fact, I think
2: McCarthy brought him into the Den. Uh, much loved, um, one of the one of football's um, journeyman workhorses who give you everything, and that's all you, we ever ask for at the Den. But it's Dave Mitchell. Um, I've picked him playing for Australia, Harry came in the 73rd minute of a a famous playoff between Australia and Argentina to make the 1994 World Cup, which was played in the USA. And Argentina had struggled in their, their qualification, South American group. And Australia had won, I think it's called Oceania. Their, their, yeah, yeah, that's right. Their group. And they had a playoff, a two-legged playoff against Argentina, which featured Diego Maradona. The game in um, Sydney was a one-all draw. Um, A a guy called Tony Vidmar scored in the 42nd minute for Australia to equalise an earlier goal for Argentina, Balbo, had scored. And then an own goal in the reverse leg in in, uh, the Stadio Monumental Stadium in in Buenos Aires in front of 59,000. That would have been rocking that night, I tell you that much. Uh, 1-0 win for Argentina. To send Argentina to the uh, 1994 World Cup, Uh, Mitchell featured in the Sydney leg. Was maradona cheating at this point
1: or or was he uh
2: <laughs> i think well that was the famous um world, world cup where he he... Got banned. yeah yeah well he, he he if you ever see that famous footage of him running up to the camera and sticking his i think he put his mouth over the camera or something didn't he? i think he was, yeah he was certainly firing on all cylinders harry let's put it that way mate he was, he was
1: yeah. fired he was on, up he was on <laughs> full three a.m in weatherspoons mode <laughs> Great, 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 great player. I've sadly now gone. Um, One of those. um, I've got to say, that is my least favourite goal of all time. The one he scores against England. I think it's the handball. Yeah. No, no, the, the one after the handball. Oh,
2: think, of the, the classic. The, the I run. think
1: it's the most ridiculously overrated goal of all time from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. Someone should kick him about 40. I know they attempt to kick him, but they attempt to kick him far too late. The one who's on the halfway line when he picks it up, just just crunch him. Just,
2: just well, wasn't it. that Robbie Ryan's tactic against Cristiano Ronaldo? To no, kick- that... But that, he couldn't get near him. That, was that a, is a
1: swinging doors moment of the last <laughs> 15 years of football. That is right there. If Kevin Muscat is fit, Cristiano Ronaldo would not have been Cristiano Ronaldo. Because no, there is no, no the no, first no. step over would have been interesting. Let's fit that way.
2: <laughs> he, would, he would have found some method of uh, causing him harm. So there we are. Anyway, Dave Mitchell. Um, great, great um, workman-like player for the Lions in the, in the early part of the 1990s. Played in that. Australia, Argentina, two-legged playoff, which Argentina would win it two-one on aggregate and, and progress to the uh, ninety-four World Cup in in the USA. My final choice, Harry, and I'm open to I'm open to, to 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 suggestions and alternatives on these. Listeners, do let me know what you think. But I've gone for Casey Keller, um, great goalkeeper, wonderful goalkeeper. He just had this kind of. Um, U- US 80s heavy rock mullet before he lost it. He, 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 whilst he had long hair, he he, he had this kind he enjoyed of the... it whilst he had it. The... <laughs> yeah he could have played in I don't know like a like a backing musician for Bon Jovi's
1: band or something yeah, like that. You know, Yeah that definitely kind of he'd be the drummer at the back.
2: And he do used to do this kind of gloved salute to the cold blow Lane in whenever he won at that um at, in in those days at the last days of Cold Blow Lane. But anyway he played in a Conquer CAF which is the um South America I think it's actually the combined, um, like a UEFA for American football. Yeah, for American, yeah. Football, for American, North, yeah. North American and South America. The CONCACAF Gold Cup semi-final. We played in a game in 1996. USA nil, Brazil won. Um, and uh, Brazil, I think, would lose in the final to Mexico of that particular tournament. But um, Keller was in goal for the US, played in Los Angeles. Probably been a fair old crowd there with the Latin American um, presence, yeah, absolutely. But some of his um, US compatriots, and we do have a, a US listeners, so there's a few um, names here for you: Casey Keller and Goal, alexei lalas had a kind of like a, again. There's a lot of hairstyles going on in US football this time. He had that kind of bubble, like a, like a simply red style bubble perm kind of look with a, a goatee, uh, not, don't Ho Chi Minh look. Don't you uh, not simply red? <laughs> John Hawks up front. Um I think it's Tab Ramos and Eric Ronaldo in in, in in the in the front line. Um the Brazilian team, I suppose the only one I recognise off the top of my head would be Z Maria in number two. I remember him. Um the others I don't know. There may have been
1: some of their, their their second second string. What's that ninety-six? They're sort of
2: just ninety-six. They go in phases, Brazil, don't they? They're yeah, going,
1: that's that sort of pre Ronaldo, Roberto, Carlos, Rivaldo, yeah. the Nielsen. He's all around. Um, they would have had Taffer- Tafferil not in goal.
2: Well, the coach was Agalo. Mario Zagallo Mario's uh, uh, Goal was Dida. Dida.
1: Ah, okay.
2: Um, Dida, Andre, Luis, Carlinhos, Narciso, Savio. They played their kids there. Z Maria, Amaral. I think his the name, isn't he? Amaral. Uh, yeah. Flavio Concha-Chao. Con- 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 not very good on Portuguese listeners. Arizon. Cow and Jamelli. So anyway, I thought that's a reasonably big, big game to be involved in. And I've got to name, Casey, just really because I haven't, you know, just for the hell of it, really. I've picked out a few of others that we could have named or chosen. David uh, Ford, Harry.
1: definitely.
2: Well, David Ford, who played in a World Cup qualifier for the uh, Republic of Ireland, a 0-3 um, loss against Germany, uh, 2014 World Cup qualifier. Um, Stephen Reid played in the 2002 World Cup qualifier. Groups as a Millwall player, which was in Japan, Korea, I think. Yeah. um Tim Cahill as a Millwall player in 2004 played in a World Cup qualifier for Australia for the uh, 2006 tournament. And Lucas Neal played in Olympic football uh, for Australia in 2000. That would be the Sydney Australian um, Olympics of 2000. As I say, some of this is really, really arbitrary, but I've just chosen the ones that I think were the the biggest situations as Millwall players. And then obviously uh, we mentioned Jordan Archer, um, our one Scottish cap <laughs>
1: already. That sums, that sums Jordan Archer up, doesn't it? One Scottish cap, never uh, to return. Once uh, bit, twice. <laughs> and that fought for both goals, um, arguably. Fergie's yeah. had a decent international career looking at that.
2: Yeah, Shane Ferguson. Um, he's he's a good good player. I like Shane Ferguson. He's, I can see why the Northern Irish um, squad would have him kind of as a as a go to player, you know. And and in all fairness to Conor McLaughlin, I think um, he's named quite a few times as a Mill player. I don't know about now whether he's still featuring. Is it Fleetwood? He plays for no Harry's. I think he's at Sunderland, mate. He's got to Sunderland, has he? Yeah.
1: Um,
2: but, yeah, it's interesting when you look down the list and some of the names that leap out. Trinidad and Tobago, Justin Hoyt. Remember Justin oh, Hoyt? wage <laughs> <thief. laughs> Some names I've just completely forgotten. I don't
1: remember. Hamer Buatza with one cap for Algeria.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bouazzo, I had high hopes for him, but he started, he had one good, Free kick goal, I think, didn't he when he came to us, and continued to attempt it for the rest of his Millwall career. And then he played in short sleeves and gloves, and that's never going to work at the Sports den band. I don't remember Justin Cochran who's a a, a fellow Antiguan as Marlon uh, Romeo. I don't remember no. Justin Cochrane played a couple of caps. Uh, Bobby Bowery, Bowery for Saint Kitts. He's out, and as I say, we've got more Saint Kitts um, caps than we do for um, Scotland. Sean Sh- Cummins played for yeah. Jamaica there in um, twenty fifteen.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel two for Barbados and Michael Jukes. No idea Jukes. Michael Gilkes.
2: Gilkes. Oh, yeah, you don't remember him. He was a kind of a bit part player. He wasn't bad. I didn't mind Jukes. Um, he was in that 2000, 2001 squad. He, he was a kind of a filler sub player
1: that would come in at
2: certain points.
1: Talking know. of filler, I've just seen how many caps Bob Farson's had whilst he's been at Millwall. It's unbelievable. But shows look at how the, much international football's actually played. because Look the at the lock,
2: glittering scoring record he's got there,
1: Harry, look. Uh, well, that's that one. He scored <laughs> one as a player. Over. As a Millwall <laughs> player in a, a Euro 2020 qualifier. I, should, did Iceland qualify for Euro 2020?
2: No, uh, they, they went off the boil, didn't they? they had, was it 2016? They had a the really good, was it Euro championship? Or 20- yeah, they
1: beat us, didn't they, under, uh, under Woi?
2: Um, but he couldn't unlock the... Um, the the very, very tight um, uh, Andorran defence. He didn't get a goal against them, nor they did win. He He probably contributed. They beat Moldova.
1: They beat Moldova. He contributed by coming on probably as a 68th-minute substitute. (laughs) I mean, I always remember the one where Ingham played him recently, and he'd been subbed off just before they got the penalty. And I thought, if that doesn't sum up John Daddy Bob Varson in one sort of comical error,
2: Oh, man. Uh,
1: moment. You've
2: got to look. We we, have, we don't have many Czech caps, but we do have one now in 2018, Harry. Um, Juri Skalak played in a, oh, wow. a friendly win over one, a 1 0 friendly win over Poland. And you subbed. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, just to conclude this show, one Russian cap. The legend, Usugo Yuran, um, played for Russia as a middle player in a 2 0 win over Malta. Yeah, friendly in 1996. So there we are, dear listeners. That's been a, a rather sprawling look at the international scene with Harry.
1: I'd ask, I'd ask one question: on. of all the players in our current squad, who do you think, if they were another, if they were any other home nation uh, nationality, if they were, you know, the Republic of Ireland, famously sort of find any Irishman. Um, <laughs> I think I think there's a few Millwall players that could get in that side at the moment.
2: Well, Jed would feature in, in if he was Northern Irish or Republic. I think
1: Coop's as well, to uh, be honest.
2: Cooper would, uh, for any of the home nations. Um, I think, well, any of, I hate this smaller nation term, but I think they would walk in, you know, if they were, if Jed was, at, um, I don't know Welsh. <laughs> Welsh. Um, uh, yeah, trying to think of some small nations now. um Any of any if if it, was, if it was a Balkan from one of the Balkans, I don't know. He'd walk into a lot of teams, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. um, because I mean,
1: Bradshaw, Bradshaw's not getting Welsh caps anymore. I'm, I'm concerned. No, John, no. Daddy, Bob Varsen, That shows you how bad the Icelandic selection for strikers must be when Bodvarson gets in, but Bradshaw doesn't get in for Wales. So. Wales can take that small comfort that they've moved on to the fact that they're better than Iceland.
2: In fairness to Iceland, I mean it's I don't know what the population is of Iceland. If, if it's if it's half a million, I'd be surprised. It's it's a small population to choose from. I mean, I know mm-hmm. you can you can extend that into the um, you know, people that live abroad and are born to, you know, um Icelandic, Icelanders have moved abroad. I don't know. But um no, I think I think Jed would walk into any of the home nations teams. I think I'd be more than pleased to have a you know the talent he's been showing this season. I think um, if, if he wasn't English, he would he would certainly qualify. That's always been Mill's problem. I think that's why we've got so few English caps, isn't it? Because we've never replayed really at a level where our players can shine and get and get consideration. I just want to men- mention before we close, Harry, um, the England B internationals in the '80s, and um, Terry Hurlock and Alan McCleary in our first division days did get chosen for England B. I don't know if they still play B internationals. I don't think they do. Probably not. Probably not for the fixture clutter, but we can't close any consideration of international football without mentioning Terry Herlock and, and Alan McCleary played in the in the late 80s for England B and probably would have, um, if we'd have stayed in the first division, we would have had others, I think. But, yeah. But it was never to be.
1: Never to there be. We there I we wanna, are. I want to quickly mention congratulations to to Ted Cheeseman last night in, in the boxing. In boxing. And, uh, Commiserations to Chris Congo as well, uh, who lost, but uh, Warriors Mill Millwall shirt with pride out in the out in Gibraltar, which was was nice to see us on the telly uh, fight in Portsmouth, but not being uh, we didn't have the ticker tape of Sky News seeing a Millwall shirt being used in a fighting <laughs> in a fighting context. Nick, it was it was quite interesting for once to see it, but yeah, I, uh, well, well
2: done, well done, Ted, and 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 commiserations to Chris. Let's hope we can uh, see some more of him. Going forward in the future. Yeah, Ted,
1: British champion, British champion again. So,
2: fair play, fair play. Big thank you, you Harry. Thank you for taking time out your day, mate.
1: No worries, mate. I'll go and have a, I'll have a roast dinner and open the bottle of red.
2: <laughs> nice one. Thank you to you too, dear listeners. Um, hope you've enjoyed this little filler show. We'll be back next week once the, uh, the club football returns, such as there is in these uh, strange days so until then dear listeners from harry and from myself it's uh and bye for now thank you for listening to
1: ask if you enjoyed the show please
0: head over to apple podcast and leave us a cheeky review till next time who do you want to watch <laughs>